my cameras. You know, it's like my children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I spend more. I've said this before. I spend more time with my cameras than like my boyfriend and my friends. A hundred percent. Right. They've been through me through thick and thin. <laughs> that was SF Chronicle photographer Jessica Christian. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, we feature artists, photographers, journalists, and other San Franciscans talking about living, working, and doing their thing here. It's a way to get to know your neighbors. Welcome to episode 27, part two. In part one, Jessica told stories of two homeless men with very different endings. In this podcast, she'll walk us through her career in photojournalism, the early days of which included covering a party in the mission after the Giants won the World Series in 2014, and also the Oakland protests that turned into riots after the shooting deaths of Eric Garner and Michael Brown. She'll end the episode with a story about covering the funeral for Stefan Clark, a Sacramento man shot and killed by police in March 2018. Here's Jessica. So I started, I did photography, just like senior portrait yearbook stuff in high school. And I was like, that's cool. But I honestly didn't want to be an art major in college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college yet because I was 17 mm -hmm. <laughs> when I started. Um, I started majoring actually in sociology my first semester. Okay. And then uh, my friend was applying for a journalism program at state because at that point it was so impacted that you had to apply to be that major. Mm -hmm which usually you can just sign up for a major and be in it. Um, and she was applying to be a writing, a, like a writing emphasis journalism right. major. And I was like, oh my God, like everyone's always going to need news photos. You know, like that's something that I can always have a job in. That's something that like would be fun to do and different. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, my parents were very like, are you sure you're going to do journalism? Cause, yeah. And like even the journalism major at state, you have to have a minor to graduate mm -hmm. to have some sort of a backup. Mm -hmm. for, that's what I, I don't know if that's the official reason, but that's what I think it is. <laughs> it's sure. Like, you should minor in something so it's not just journalism. Something realistic now. Um, and I didn't, like I said, I, in the beginning I did some photo classes. I didn't think I was that good. I wasn't really serious about it. It's hard to do I always tell this to students where it's hard to do photojournalism in school and not see it as homework because right. you have like, oh, you have this project, you have a deadline. And it's like even now, sometimes when I'm doing projects at my job, it feels like homework because it reminds me of college where it's like, oh, you have this much you time. Need to do this, this, yeah. And, this, yeah. and so it was dreadful for me in the beginning because I didn't see it as like, oh, I'm getting better and better. I'm, I saw it as like, oh, I have to pass this class and like deliver something. And so I went to Italy for a summer in 2013, like my sophomore year of college, just to kind of, and it was a journalism program. So I wrote a story and I photographed just to get that experience. And also I've never, I'd never really been to Europe besides one other time. And it was great. It was fun. Um, I did a great photo story on this like organic farm with artists that own it from oh, wow. Germany and like wow. they just off the grid farm now. Cool. And that like was got me like really in love with storytelling with yeah. photos. And then when I came back from Italy, uh, my newspaper or one of my teachers asked like, oh, do you want to be a photo editor for the school paper? Like it's a fun job. Um, you'd be great at it. And so I did that. And I really that was what kicked me into my ass, basically, yeah. <laughs> because I had to manage a bunch of photographers. I understood like the flow of newspapers. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like a mini newsroom and it was because it was our school paper where we had editors and we had deadlines and stories and I had to like kind of turn these stories into photos. Um, it was very stressful, but it was thrilling. And then right after that, did the examiner right after that as an intern, did the Chronicle as an intern, went to Michigan, started my job. Like, like I, I think I said this, but 
since I started at the school paper in 2013. Twi- yeah, 2013. I've had like seven full days where I didn't have like a job or an internship to go to and like be responsible for. So it Did was you just take like vacations. I I couldn't. All right, so like what's my, that? I know. No, I just <laughs> yeah. stress out. So like yeah. my last job at the Examiner was amazing, and I had such a great time. I was the photo editor and the photographer, and I was the only photo editor and photographer for a daily newspaper, and it was really, really demanding. So I was shooting like five things a day all the time, and it was great coverage for me, but I felt bad ever taking vacation. So like I wouldn't, because no one would cover, like no one would be there to do my job, and the paper always needs photos. Mm -hmm. And I think back then it was like, if I wanted to take vacation, I had to find someone to take my place for a week, or like... And that was just, that requires training someone in the system. And it was just like, I just didn't do it. I just never took it. Yeah. And now it's great because the Chronicle, I mean, they have a full staff of photographers. There's nine staffers. Oh, wow. And there's like seven, six or seven editors. Yeah. You're Um, like back in my day, kids. Yes. And so it's (laughs) great because I can actually take vacation and not worry about it being, you know, things are taken care of here without me. But it's also great because now I work for a team of visual people where back there it was only me and it was hard to grow and learn when I'm not getting feedback and I was editing my own photos and I also was in like managing interns every semester. I had oh, three wow. interns per three months wow. and turned into two. Um, and I didn't feel qualified to do that cause I was younger and these people are usually older than me. You were just an intern. Yeah. And I was just like, it was crazy cause I started, I was an intern in Michigan, took three days, drove to San Francisco, started my job and I had interns. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like <laughs> who the hell, who the hell <laughs> trust me to do this and like right. teach them? I was still trying to figure out my own job, mm-hmm. but it was a great experience having the interns and like kind of, I think I was a really good intern coordinator because I was just an intern and I know what they want to do and what they don't want to do and like what they need to hear. Um, and now I still like, to, like I said, I talk to college students all the time. Mm. I have a lot of kids. I mean, I'm young now, so there's a lot of people that are kind of like, how'd you get where you are? And it's fun to like, kind of like talk them through the process and give tips and tricks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very lucky to have had the career I've had so far. Um, and my age is really great and I'm excited to see where I go from here. I don't know. I just have crazy riot stories. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, <hello>. When I <laughs> was a student um i interned at the chronicle and that was the best experience for me as a learning you know the field it's funny with journalism a lot i love sf state shout out to the journalism program they were amazing at getting us our feet on the ground early yeah but i feel like i learned a lot more just being at a paper Mm -hmm. at a young age and having responsibilities that i didn't feel like i was (laughs) like i was qualified for yet but just throwing me in kind of into the deep end of the pool so Mm -hmm. Um, I was an intern when the tw- the Giants won the World Series 2014. Okay. And we had this pretty specific plan of like, okay, once they win, you run here, you go to the mission, you go to this place. We and had a little I bit of a recent experience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was just crazy. And so I ran to the mission and like mm-hmm. it was like a war zone. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, number one, why do people freak out when their sports teams win and just ruin the city? Like your tax dollars are know. being put into repairing the city, right? <laughs> So, like, people are just in the street just fighting and screaming, and there's fires. I watched a guy jump onto a cop car and smash the back of the cop car with his foot in, and I took a photo of it with a flash, and he just grabs me and pulls me against the wall. He's like, you delete that photo right now. And oh I was God. just so funny because I was like, you can't see your face. Look. And I show him the photo of my camera, and his demeanor changed. He's like, oh, my God, can you send me that photo? <laughs> like, what? Where do you work for? Like, where can I see? It's just like 
what the hell? Like, yeah. I'm just, and I remember in the middle of it all, I had to send photos to the paper. Obviously, they want like to update the website. So I die. I dip into this bar and I just felt like it was a war zone. I've never been to war. Like, I'm not a war photographer. I dip into this bar where they have like the gates closed because it was just too crazy. What bar? Just, Sorry, what I bar? don't even remember. In the mission? It was in the mission. Okay. It was kind okay. of by 18th. I don't know, but they like closed yeah. the metal gate and they let me sit on the ground and send photos or this dude just watched me and there's just like fireworks going off, people screaming, running and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And it was just like, I would, I'll never forget this. Amid like the madness, one guy just calmly walked up to a parking meter and just ripped it out of the ground and just kept like just walking slowly down mission. Like there's so much going on. Like, he didn't like even worry. Like Superman or something. Yeah, he just what like, it wasn't that hard apparently. He just like lifted it out of the ground and put it on his shoulder and like started walking home. Yeah. And I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. But then the other part of that was just like, it was kind of a lighthearted riot. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if that's like even a phrase, but yeah. you know, sure. it was more, you know, for a jo- jovial reason, you know, they're yeah. like celebrating. But then, um, right after that was the, the death of Eric Garner and Mike Brown, you know, kind of the start of black lives matter. There was a lot of riots in Oakland ended up riots. Protests ended up with police, you know, kind of fighting back the protesters, mm-hmm. police brutality of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one story I love telling okay. and it was, I was in college. I was crazy about breaking news. Number one. So like before my internship, I would stay up all night and listen to the scanner in oh my yeah. car and just chain smoke, like, like <laughs> night crawler style mm-hmm. and go and chase news. Cause I was just like, wanted to get those photos in, you know, I wanted to get that experience of just like this adrenaline. I was obsessed with it. Um, and so after class one night I had a night class and it was like 10, I was like, I know, I know that there's a protest happening. I want to go over there because it was in just o- a high in Oakland. Or? In Oakland. Okay. So like every night we were kind of going out there. There was just like riot police. They're taking the freeway. There was an instance where like people trampled me on the freeway and I had to like crawl off the freeway the night before. Jesus. And I was just like still running on that energy. So I'm like, let's go out. I know it's going to be, you know, good photos are going to be made. And I want to like document. And I was also just like at that point, un- unfortunately, it was more about like making cool photos than like telling stories because I was just in college and I was just, like right. trying to get better. Mm-hmm. So I knew that like the situation was going to be like crazy. And I get there and I park on San Pablo. I don't remember where on San Pablo, but I walk down the street and there's like some people behind me. I'm like, whatever. They're, they're protesters walking towards it. And I come across my two colleagues and it was Stephen Lamb who shoots for Reuters and Carlos Gonzalez, who's a staff photographer at the Chronicle. He's my mentor. Okay. He, everyone's in a frenzy and right. And Steven's sitting on the curb and he has milk in his face. Like they're pouring milk in his eyes because he had gotten pepper sprayed by a cop while photographing on the front lines of like them trying to take the freeway and I'm just like okay let me help you let me help you and like his cameras were sitting next to him and I watched those guys that were walking and following me because I have two cameras hanging off me Mm -hmm. not smart should have just kept them in my bag until I got to my destination which I always do now Mm -hmm. but I was just excited to get there the guys grab his two cameras and just run off and so Steven can't even see he just gets up and starts running towards these dudes and Carlos goes too and I'm sitting there with two cameras and there's just some flashbangs going off everywhere and people running and I'm just like I get I jump in Carlos's car because they were sitting outside of it and I put a riot helmet on I just hid underneath the seat and I was like please come back please come back because I didn't know what to do I was just like freaking out so Carlos and Steven jump in the car and he just like burns out and they start chasing this unmarked car through Oakland of these dudes that just stole this cameras. And it's like five hooded guys in like sweatshirts mm-hmm. just, like running through Oakland and like I'm screaming at Carlos. I was like, if I die, you're screwed because I'm an intern like you. <laughs> you have no insurance. He's like, shut up and just take the license plate. So I'm sitting in the back like 
with this helmet on. Still the helmet like, on. Someone gonna shoot me. Like, I don't know if they're gonna come back and like start shooting the car. Right. And so like, I take the license plate down, and I remember like, someone was taking the freeway, a whole bunch of riot protester things, and I'm jumping, and I'm in the middle of San Pablo, waving my arms, and two cop cars just flying by, flying by me. Mm. Like, no one even cares that I'm standing in the middle of the street, right. just like waving them down. Like, we're trying to just get a cop to like make a report on these stolen cameras, but they don't care. You know, bigger fish too to many. fry. Yeah, and then I remember, like, we lost them. We were calling the police station trying to get the insurance information. And Carlos is like, all right, give me a cigarette. So we all just, like, are smoking in this car. And it's, like, like so free. Like, I've never seen, like, he's such a strong guy. And so, like, you know, composed. And he's very, like, I've always looked at him as, like, my savior in those scenes. And he was frazzled, That you rattled know? him, yeah. It rattled him. And yeah. I was like, oh, God. And, and then I get a text from another colleague who was on the front lines of one of the you know where the cops were going to <laughs> take the freeway and a cop had like he got a photo of a cop coming in at him and smashing his camera but oh he got God. the photo right before he hit with the baton and his camera was just fucked so like all of us were just like so out of it and burned out of just like all this craziness going on yeah stuff stolen disarray yeah, a chase I've never been <laughs> that scene but like and after that they're like alright we're gonna take you off protest duty for a little bit cause I was an intern and they didn't want me to get hurt they didn't want right. me to get like my stuff stolen yeah um and I just think back because I mean I'm 25 and I that was all when I was like 21. Whoa, it wasn't long ago, but I'm like yeah. oh when I was a kid, you know, running yeah. around the city not knowing anything. Yeah, but it's a good like learning experience to be in those situations. Sure. Don't ever want to be in that again on voluntarily. Right. But I know I could get through it. You know. That's what is a riot helmet? <laughs> it was sorry, just like I don't know what that is. Press on it. It's just like this military-looking helmet that's just black. And, like, I have one now. I mean, it's just a bike helmet sometimes, but it's just a little more rugged. Like, it's metal, you know? It's, like, this crazy military-style thing. Yeah. So, like, I have a helmet in my car at all times. I have goggles for, like, tear gas. And then we have, like, Kevlar at the Conigal in case, like, we get into, like, they encourage people to wear, like, I was encouraged to wear Kevlar when I went to the Berkeley rally recently. Because Which one was that? It was, like, the Patriot Prayer Oh, things right. happening on where they were just brawling in yeah. MLK Park in Berkeley because of Ann Coulter. Coulter, yeah. Yeah, she was supposed to speak and then was like free speech rally. Mm-hmm. And that got crazy too, but like I was fine because like I've done this before. This yeah. is the daytime too. Like there are police everywhere. I'm fine. And I ended up getting hit by a paintball by a cop because they were like trying to shoot those, the black Antifa protesters that are wearing all black yeah. with colored paintballs. To, like, identify, to identify them, them, right? But uh, those things, it's just crazy because the cops are coming at us trying to keep us away. The Antifa protesters hate hate the press because mm-hmm. they hate getting their photo taken because they're doing, they're just fucking shit up. You right. know, they're just, like, smashing windows. And so, like, any, f- like, I watched my, he wasn't my intern yet, but he was about to be my intern. He was for Berkeley photographing this rally for UC mm. Berkeley. And a guy just grabs his camera and just slams it on the ground. Half the time, half of my job is basically worrying about my gear getting stolen mm-hmm. or, or broken. <laughs> because I, San Francisco... Has your gear been stolen? It has not. Okay. I've had two times where someone tried to take my camera off of me. Um, and it's funny because you, know, you never know what you're going to do in those... Si- like, I'm like, am I going to fight? Am I going to freeze? Am I going to like right. just give in? And I just fought. I just started screaming and mm. starting a like cursing them out and like making as much of a scene as I could. And they just freak out and like run away. Wow. Um, and it's been like it's always been in instances where I have to like sit on the corner or on a street and like scout the area for a long time to get a photo. People watch you. They can encourage us to not go in our trunks of our cars. Cause, like I I I leave stuff in my trunk. I take it all with me or I don't. Mm-hmm. But it's like 
always like always worrying someone's gonna watch you because it's really hard to hide camera gear. It's yeah. hard to like when I have to do like one of those situations where I have both cameras on me with a long lens and a short lens to get like the maximum, you know, coverage. The recent thing that I've been thinking about too is um, the Sa- Sacramento police shooting of Stefan Clark. Yeah. I went to cover his funeral. I saw that, yeah. and that was that was an interesting. It was just a weird contrast because his brother was there. His brother was in a lot of media outlets. His brother is kind of a more vocal person, going to the city council meetings, kind of chanting his name and making his voice heard for his brother, which is amazing. Um, And I think that it's important for people to see that and for the media to show that he was out there making, you know, like starting, like raising his voice basically and making him him heard. And then it came to the day before the funeral, there was a lot of, and it got national media attention, mm-hmm. you know, CNN, just crazy amount of press mm-hmm. pressure on this family that, number one, is trying to grieve, grieve right. not understanding, like, the magnitude of what happened to their family, and at the same time, doing it under this national spotlight that they are not used to. Right. So it was a big struggle of, like, you're grieving, how do you, how do they react to the press? The brother, I guess, the day before had, like come out and start screaming at the press like respect my family blah blah we don't want you here Hmm. and everything else and we kind of i mean some people backed off some people you know journalists that are not connected to the story they'll be like we gotta get this shot for live the tv people at least and so the next day the funeral comes out and we were all expecting this brother to kind of come at us again like we don't want to be there in this family's grieving time but we also want people to see that this is the amount of people that showed up to remember this person and this how much of an impact he made on the community and the brother was a lot more tame because I think he had realized that the media is there to tell his story. The media is not there to disrespect them. Right. And they want to do it in the most respectful way. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of let them do their job, let us do our job to like kind of highlight this is the this is the tragedy you're going through. This is what it's like when uh, the police shoot one of your family members that is unarmed. Right. And this is how, you know, people are privately grieving. Um so yeah, it's all a lot of that back and forth. I try to I try to highlight that whenever I'm doing a story. It's like yeah, thank you for letting me tell your story. I'm really excited that people are going to hear it. People are like, oh yeah, like that's great. I'm excited. Um, but it takes a little bit of you know talking to someone, making that you know relationship. I think a lot of the time too, I feel like I'm a sociology person. You know, where it's it like is. I have to. It's read a little bit anth- anthropological. Yeah, yeah I have absolutely. to read people. I have to see how they're going to react to like. Uh, do they react to like compliments? Do they react to, you know, being interested in their story? Do they react to like all these different things? Or like they love when I start telling them stories. One weird thing that I realized back when, because I, I used to smoke cigarettes, I don't anymore. Back hey, when I was smoking, thank you. Back when I was smoking, a cigarette was such a such social a, a social like bringing it together mm-hmm. so like there was a story where i did another another instance where i was photographing a family after a shooting and they were doing kind of a more memorial for their son and i got access to the family early on in the day and the mom was just like frantic and trying to plan this you know memorial while still trying to like get through this grief and i stepped outside with her for a second and just smoked a cigarette and she just completely melted out and she yep. just didn't even mind because they see like Part of the thing with my job is like I have to remember remind them that I'm a person too. Like I'm not just a person with a camera. It's like watching your every move. So many, so much of my training as a journalist that they teach you early on is like if 
you're doing a sensitive story, try to put the camera down for like an hour. Like mm. talk to them and like let moments happen in front of you that you'd love to capture. And it's kind of an exercise of like patience where it's like, yeah. don't lift your camera for every moment because they're not going to think that you're always watching them. Yeah. And that has helped me so much. Builds trust. Yes. And, and so it's really, it's always different. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bigale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can find Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please follow us. All the episodes and Michelle's photos of storytellers are up on our website, storiedsf.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. You can reach us by email at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Check back next week when we'll hear stories from Mario Aliero, the Giants' VP of Business Operations. <laughs>